All right, so let's get started this week with a run through all the other games. We're going we're gonna to talk a good bit about Auburn versus Akron, of course. But I wanted to start with a look at week one. Painter, you said it, I think on Twitter, you were not on your couch yesterday. You were in your couch. Living the best life. So you were able to get a, a good look at a lot of this. Yesterday was a day... Saturday, I should say, in college football, where, you know, there were some teams that took care of business, did exactly what they were supposed to. There was a there was probably a lot more more out there who were just flying into a game where, you know, that they, they looked up and they said, Oh, this is not supposed to be this close right now. We're not supposed to be in this position. Oklahoma almost blew a huge lead to Tulane. Tulane gets a wild onside kick and then promptly doesn't do anything with it. Uh, but, you know, Oklahoma only wins by five after being up big uh, in that game. It was 10-3 to at the half between A&M and Kent State. A&M pulls away in the second half. Iowa State, who people are talking about as a potential playoff team, if they could beat Oklahoma this season, only playoffs? won by six, uh, six over Northern Iowa. Uh, Oregon needed a last-second touchdown to beat Fresno State. I think it was only 14 nothing at halftime between Florida and Florida Atlantic. And these are just games, I want to be clear, where they were supposed to clearly be better than the other team. Um, I'd like to shout out Scott Frost, who lost to Illinois last week in Week 0. Illinois lost to UTSA this week. So if you're wondering how UT- things are going for Scott Frost... Hey. Uh, Hey, folks who listen to Split Zone know UTSA ain't nothing to play with. Meep, meep. Jeff Trailer's got 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 it rolling down there. Look, but yeah, I'm, I'm all about your love for UTSA, but come on. I yes. mean, and Illinois is a bad program, so I can't say it's like stunning. But Montana, Scott Frost, what are you doing? Montana beat Washington. Uh, that's an FCS team beating a number 20 uh, FBS program. Montana won with like 230 yards of offense. Uh, not great. Um, let's see who else. Who else is in there? Uh, Arkansas was trailing Rice at the half. You know, they pulled away in the fourth. Uh, State needed a wild comeback to beat Louisiana Tech. That was one that uh, I was surprised to see because I the last time I checked, Louisiana Tech was running Mississippi State. See if I have any more that jump out to me. Oklahoma State uh, only beat Missouri State. Uh, by a touchdown, and I believe that is Bobby Petrino's current employer, uh, Missouri State, because you have to have a key, you have to keep an eye on Bobby Petrino at all times. Uh, Northern Illinois beat Georgia Tech, and Northern Illinois is supposed to be like really bad this year. East Tennessee State beat Vanderbilt by twenty. You don't love that. Uh, Nevada beat Cal, which I think that was a little bit closer. Nevada's got a really good quarterback. Washington State blew a late lead and lost to uh, Utah State. There was a number of game, games across college football on Saturday where you were it was either a lot closer than expected or a team struggled or straight up lost in it. And I guess that's where it kind of gets it with the Auburn game is that there was a lot of value. And Akron's, Akron was horrible. They were exactly what we thought they would be, one of the worst teams in the FBS. I think some of those FCS teams that had good performances on Saturday – uh, would probably beat Akron, um, all things considered. But there's something to be said for a team just rearing back and 
clobber an opponent like exactly like they were supposed to. I don't think that needs to be taken for granted, especially in game one under a new coaching staff. It was a very clean game for Auburn. We'll get into a lot of it later, but I just think, yes, it's Akron. You will hear us say, yes, it's Akron throughout this podcast, but like, there's a lot of value in Auburn going out and winning by 50 points over Akron. There were plenty of teams that were in their neighborhood, and even better, of college football this season that had not very fun times against Akron-ish opponents. An impressively bad Akron team. I right. want to give them credit uh, for showing up, for playing hard. I think it's fine for all the people listening to this and the caveats we're giving that are sort of prepared to be like, hey, I don't care, do it against Penn State. And it's like, fine, we get it. We're right there with you. We're not going to draw too many conclusions from this. One of Ferg's stories this week was talking about defensively uh, what you can tend to glean a little bit more offensively, probably still some questions. But I think it's worth noting that the offense – is usually the part of the team that doesn't look smooth at the beginning of the season. Um, As we saw in a lot of games, I think Georgia beating Clemson, but still scoring 10 points was a great example of that. Now, yes, Clemson's a better team. I was, Uh, I was surprised. I was surprised at how clean the offense looked, even against a bad team with a a new system, a bunch of new receivers, it could have been worse. It could have been worse is what I kept telling could myself. Could have been a lot worse. So, could have been a lot worse. You know, I'm not going to beat the drum over the game, but I'm also like, hey, we're starting from a better place than I would have envisioned. I'm glad you mentioned Georgia Clemson because 10-3. The only touchdown, I believe, came on a pick six. Kirby yeah. Smart probably heard these last five seasons, everyone talking about how you need offense to win championships and enough defense. And he was like, well, let me do something about that. I, I do still hope that they JT, lose. JT, JT Daniels had 30 attempts for 135 yards. You think they were, I mean, like Clemson's awesome on defense. They always are. But like, you think they were, you think they were really letting him rip it out there. Right. And you know, <laughs> it's, it's the beginning of the season. That offense is too talented. They will get better. How much better? I don't know. Watching Alabama in game one. Wow. <sighs> Buddy. Yeah. Alabama's new quarterbacks, 27 to 38 for 344 and four touchdowns in a 29, or sorry, 31, I can't do math, in a 31 point beatdown of a top 15 Miami team. I don't think there was an uh, easier whew. line to grab than that one. Yeah, and so many people were, were betting, betting out uh, Miami to cover in that game. And it's just like, my, Miami looked kind of lifeless in that one. It was like after the initial storm came from Alabama, they were like, "All right, well, sorry, we ain't got much. We ain't got much left in the tank. We'll, we'll see y'all next week." You know yeah, the the it, Del Curry thread a few weeks ago, yes. uh, like the first seven tweets in that, where it's like, "You think you want to be out here, right?" Go revisit the Del Curry thread. Like the first seven in that about thirty is basically how I envision Miami, and it's always very refreshing to watch teams who are not required to play Alabama every season have to play them because it's like, oh, this is terrible.
It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend recap edition. Justin Ferguson right here, Painter Treplis over there. Hello, Painter. Hello, guys. So, Painter, we've got a lot to talk about from a lot that happened from Auburn's first game under Brian Harson. Auburn 60, Akron 10. We expected Akron, like I said earlier, we... uh, we expected Akron to be one of the worst teams Auburn has played in a very long time, and they were. But for Auburn to get so much right in game one against anybody, I think should be very much uh, praised and, and, and pointed to as as a major positive. Um, you're, from your location in Parts Unknown – what was the what was the snap like initial reaction uh, to the game? Maybe not specifics on like offense or defense or a player or certain, but like how how do you feel? You know, coming out of a a Saturday game where Auburn got pretty much everything right against a team that they were supposed to manhandle and did thoroughly beat them and cover the spread. As I said, it feels like Auburn is starting a little bit ahead of where I envisioned it would be. The snap mm-hmm. judgment from defense is, wow, they are really fast. That was Very impressive. Uh, I guess Akron picked up two nice first downs and then a lot of punting for them after that. They only, uh, had, they only had one more third down conversion for the rest of the game, and that came in the fourth when uh, they were throwing the ball pretty well. You know, this will have to be made with the caveats that we've already done, but we'll continue to do them so that you don't yell at us too much. Uh, the offense also starting – from what appears to be not square one, I think the point was made online by more than one person. I know Josh Vitale made it. It was a bad team. Bo Nix has not ever normally looked that comfortable against bad competition, though. No, not at all. I mean, his best performances, if you look at stuff like yards per attempt, EPA, uh, which we're playing around with some this year uh, in the observations, the only other ones that came close to this level were against Mississippi State last year and LSU last year, maybe State 19 as well. We'll just start with Bo Nix, 20 of 22 for 275 and three touchdowns. He completed his first 11 passes of the game. The two incompletions he had, he had one where rolled out of the pocket. There wasn't a whole lot there. He tried to force you know, one, lead a guy down, down to the sideline. A little too much. It was going to be a tough throw anyway. Other one, he tried to, you know, throw it over to. It was the same guy. It was uh, it was Kobe Hudson both times. Hudson had to adjust, try to get his hands on it. Couldn't bring it in. I think he did get his hands on it though, but wasn't able to bring it in. But still, that was it. Uh, breaking a completion record, pl- completion per- percentage record in the process. I mean, Bo Nix is. What was the whole thing that Bo Nix is? Uh, whole off season. And criticism so far from his first two seasons has been is that accuracy and decision making. Yeah, his 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 completion percentage has not been great. Well, he puts up above ninety percent, breaking us a, a record that Jarrett Stidham set. This was exactly what you needed to see out of Bo Nix, I think, in this type of performance. Now, as we'll say again and again, he'll win no one over with this. This is about as good of a game as you could have gotten from him. He only had two incompletions all game. If you look at stuff like adjusted completion percentage and like on target percentage from from the last couple of uh, from the last couple of seasons, you know Nix has been towards the bottom of the SEC when in clean pockets, take out drops, take out hits, take out. I mean, just purely, I'm I got a clean pocket and a receiver, and it's just me and him. How 
often do I hit the target and get the completion. He was towards the bottom of the SEC in that category. In this game, he was clean every single snap. Uh, Auburn's pass protection, again, against Akron. But if you had questions about this offensive line, they played a clean game up front. I think Akron was only credited with, like, one. Yeah, they were only credited with one quarterback hurry the whole game. And Nick, Nick scrambled on that one. But with a clean pocket, he did exactly what he was supposed to, which is nowhere to go with the ball, find him in stride, and just manage this offense in a, in a really good way. That, to me, I think, speaks a lot about his 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 progress. He had, We had talked about all offseason. He had said he felt more comfortable in this offense. He knew where to go with the football. He felt like he had gotten a lot better um, you know, kind of on the mental side of his game and his comfort level. And game one, he just he just comes right out there and shows it. I'm going to try to refrain from talking about him too much, Ferg, because okay. I know that lots of people that are listening are like me, and they're like, man, I'm, I'm just glad that he looked good against a bad team. And there's lots of people that just don't care because they're, they're looking at week three going, hey, you know, do it against Penn State. And for what it's worth, I guess do it against LSU, even though that LSU team looks like they could be in a world of trouble this season. But Woo, we didn't uh, talk about that one. But yeah, not great at Orgeron, but you know, it's not like Auburn's had a bad. whole lot of success in that stadium, and it's not like Bo Nix has had a lot of success on the road. So I will still hold out for the LSU game as one to watch, simply because there's oh, talent yeah. on that defense. I don't know what they're going to do with it. It doesn't look like very much. And hey, I mean, Bo was at home against a bad team. So like for the people out there who are not impressed or don't care about the Akron game. I get it. But as someone who is obviously pro Bo Nix, like glad that the dude was about as efficient as you could possibly be. And um, I'm not going to be mad about the offense looking like it's in a good spot to start the season. Number one, by the way, LSU, it's bad when UCLA is just absolutely abusing you up front on both sides of the ball. Uh, how is UCLA. that possible? I mean, I have no idea how UCLA recruits, but it's not what LSU recruits. How yeah, is exactly. that possible? Very bad day for the Pac-12. Yet, yet uh, it was it was UCLA just kind of taking it to LSU in that game at home. LSU. Virtual road game too. There were so many LSU fans in that game, and they had to make that long trip to watch their team. I think Brody get whipped up on your friend Brody uh, tweeting out or quote tweeting that they ran out of booze real quick. That doesn't surprise me at all. Incredible. That does not surprise I think me at it all. was before kickoff. Bonix, like I said, only two incompletions. He had more touchdowns than incompletions. Here's the other stat that I think really got me in this game as well. He had 275 passing yards. He played a whole first half and then one drive in the in the third quarter. 275 yards is more than all but four of his previous games. All right? His yards per attempt, outstanding. Any way you carve it up on the metrics, it was an outstanding look. Every one of his completions was a successful play, so it wasn't none of these gains were empty ones. Um, they all did their job uh, on specific plays. And the other thing is, not only did he look comfortable in this offense, again, Akron wasn't really providing most of a pass rush. It was the worst pass defense in FBS last season. But we watched him in practice this fall where he wasn't looking this good and this accurate against air. So, 
I mean, that there's something to be said for getting it right on, on, on the big day. Spreading the wealth as well. Uh, seven different receivers catching the ball from him. Uh, Sean Shivers gets his first career uh, touchdown reception and absolutely vaporizes a dude uh, to, to get it. Shedrick Jackson, five catches, 79 yards. He almost matched last season's totals for him in both categories in one game. It was fun to see Shedrick immediately live up to what his teammates and coaches said about him. Because I think there were people understandably skeptical about yeah. what his role is. If you watched in the last few seasons, you're just like, no, they're, they're not going to they're not gonna do it. They're not going to give him the ball. And it's like, oh, well, Bo Nick certainly seems comfortable looking his way. John Samuel Shanker with five catches uh, at the tight end position. They didn't get it to any other tight ends, but Shanker was out on the field a lot. And, I mean, already halfway to ten. And that's and that's the number that Auburn hasn't hit in a while at the tight end position. Uh, Javarius Johnson, the short king, his first career touchdown or reception. Um, I was pretty pleased with, uh, with, with one of my predictions. So Auburn gets the ball off of a turnover on downs. They get it at their own 35, and – I or I'm sorry at the Akron 35 and I say on Twitter like hey usually Brian Harson teams when they get a quick change off a of turnover they like to take shots off it and that's not unique to Brian Harson that is a that is a you know a philosophy that a lot of football coaches use but they go under center they get Akron leaning one way on a on a fake sweep Johnson's wide open Bo hits him boom touchdown there uh, Demetrius Robertson had three catches as well. Kobe Hudson caught a great pass for for a touchdown where you could see Bo making reads, going through his progressions. He was kind of working, working where he was supposed to go. Harson said after the game, he, he was probably going to go to the outside because that's where he was supposed to be. But he saw, but he noticed that the safety came over, and so Hudson was open down the seam, and so he adjusted, set his feet. Ripped the ball downfield, made a made a great play, touchdown uh, uh, for for Kobe Hudson. Tank had a 19 yard catch as well, like Sean Chivers. This was an offense that spread the wealth, used some guys that we have not seen a ton of. Um, in fact, I mean, think about it this way, Painter. Auburn's top seven receivers, or their seven receivers that that Bo Nix went to, and that includes Bigsby and Chivers and Shanker. Those are all guys that weren't key parts of Auburn's passing attack at any point before this game. Every one of those guys. Now, Robertson's a new newcomer, of course, but Jackson, Johnson, Hudson, these are not guys who get the ball very often. The The receiving game for the running backs is not something they did a ton under Gus Malzahn. Um, but, I mean, they spread the ball. They attacked to different areas of the field. Knicks hit a few, few good deep balls. Had a couple good intermediate passes, uh, but a lot of quick game. I mean, Akron was playing off and 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 just quick read, boom, got it. You know, good play, move the chains. I think they only called two screen passes the whole game. I mean, this is exactly, I think, in terms of variety, multiplicity. I think that's this is exactly what a lot of Auburn fans wanted to see from the scheme perspective from Auburn's passing game. Again. You know, they didn't show everything and they didn't need to because they could be very basic and do whatever they wanted. I mean, Auburn, what was it? Auburn scored uh, seven touchdowns and a field goal on their first eight drives against, I mean, against Akron. It was nice, as you wrote, to see the balance they used in the run and pass game, but they could have just simply handed it off to any of the three running backs 
and rush for 450 yards. If they, I mean, that doesn't help you in the future, but that team was never going to stop Tank Bigsby, and they, they couldn't stop any of the other running backs. Uh, Sean didn't get a lot of touches, did he? I, I think someone, I can't remember who it was, made this point online, and I think I tend to agree with it. They know what they have in that senior. They don't mm-hmm. need to run him a whole lot. No. Sean Chowers had three touches and scored on two of them. So, I mean, you'll take that. He had a 26-yard uh, touchdown run where, man, there was the offensive line created a hole that a truck could have gone through on that play. Uh, had a two-yard loss on a, on a carry uh, at one point. Um, but then that 19-yard touchdown catch that he had as well, uh, I think, you know, exactly. They like him in a number – he they can use him in a variety of ways. But this game, I think, once – Bigsby was done, and the first-team offense was done. It was about finding the next wave. But, yeah, I mean, Akron had to start committing more guys to the to the running game, which gave more one-on-one opportunities for the out, on the outside. And that's exactly what Brian Harson said after the game that they want to do. They want to be able to run the ball so they can throw off of it, uh, to create good matchups on the outside, to make it so that – you know, teams uh, will not be able to just to sit back on Auburn. Um, and it's that downhill running game that they really, really want to rely on. Um, and a lot of that comes from, I mean, the, the talent that you've got at the run at the running back position can help you do that. Uh, Tank Bigsby, 13 carries, 119 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he started celebrating his first touchdown at about the 20-yard line because um, he knew – Great run, um, had a hole, bounce, it saw a wide open space on the outside because it was kind of the pistol, a little, a little 12 personnel, two tight ends, a lot of that on Saturday, by the way, a lot of two, 12 personnel. Akron kind of gets sucked in. Defensive back comes over and, and, and is kind of caught in the wash. Bigsby sees green to the outside, takes it, boom, takes off, touchdown, and he, he already knows he's scoring by by – you know, twenty yards, twenty yards into, uh, twenty yards out from the end zone, and uh, that was a pretty cool moment. He said after the game, he said, uh, he said that was a big one. It was a big, it was a big moment for Auburn. Uh, I had a lot of energy. I knew I had to celebrate, and I think uh, running right into the student section, I think a lot of a lot of fans got a kick out of that from Tank. I tweeted more than I have in a while yesterday, so I tried to show some restraint from not just totally tweeting every thought that popped into my head. But one of the things I thought about was that pregame from some of the videos that you guys put out into the ether and certainly watching his body language, including that celebration, the guy seems um, confident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he definitely is. I mean, he should be. Like, Look at what he did last season. And they didn't have – I wrote about it last week. He didn't have an actual offseason. and had the second-best – season for an Auburn freshman running back ever. He only played about half as many games. games. Right, exactly. If you took account of how many games he had actual good, consistent work, you know, half of that. Uh, EPA, uh, which is uh, 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 expected points added, uh, this was by far his best performance as a Tiger. Um, just was did whatever he wanted on the ground. Uh I mean, his carries in this game, 4 4 9, 32 16, 9, 3, 2, 4, 6, 1, which was a touchdown. 
he lost two yards early in the in the third quarter and then hit a 31-yarder right after that. So did whatever he wanted. They knew what they had in Shivers as well. So let's talk about Jarquez Hunter, shall we? He sort of stole Jar- the show, I feel like, you know, especially given yeah. that the defense didn't look awesome. The second team didn't look awesome in the second and they half. Started, and they started rotating more guys in on that defense. We'll talk about defense in a moment, but, like, they started rotating in some more of those starters up front and in the secondary because the ball was still moving. And, and, and we full credit to Akron's backup quarterback. He looked awesome coming off the bench and, you know, did a good job of taking what Auburn, taking what Auburn was giving him on defense. Um, but yeah, I but sort yeah, of feel like Hunter. Hunter Hunter stole a little bit of attention this summer, and then immediately did the same thing in his debut game. He looks good. He he moves very well for a freshman. I feel like if he wasn't in a COVID year, if his senior year of high school wasn't in a COVID year, and he was maybe a little bit taller? Question mark. Um, he would have been a lot bigger of a recruit. I mean, he 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 broke he. He broke the Mississippi high school record uh, for yards in a career and touchdowns. I mean, he is unreal productive and has just picked up right where he left off in high school. Nine carries, 110 yards. Uh, his carries go like this, 37-14-4-3-3-20-14-6-9. The 6-9 given Auburn points uh, number uh, 54 through you know, 59 there, and then the extra point gave him 60 uh, to to hit a to hit a 60. By the way, as we pointed out in the observations, Josh Dub confirming that this is a scoregami for Auburn, 60 to 10. Uh, there for uh, for for the Tigers, uh, he looked really good. That is, uh, there was a big question mark coming into this year. It was like, all right, after all that movement out of the running back room, can they get some quality depth? Can they find it? I think in Jarquez Hunter, they've they've shown early that they've got a guy that they're not afraid to turn to, and I think these first couple of games are going to be a good good test for him to just show what he's got, and they will probably need to use him against Penn State, and I mean, so far so good. This guy's done nothing but impress everyone since he got onto campus. Fingers crossed that they won't need to use him too much, but it's hard to imagine that at some point you're not missing Tank or Sean, or that at least they're not at 100% given the position. So that he looked competent in his first game, excellent. And I agree. I think at some point in time we'll see him snag a few touches even in games like Penn State, LSU. Uh, And I don't think there's going to be some sort of large drop-off in whatever role they have for him. They used Demetrius Robertson on a carry at one point. TJ Finley, uh, who got in the game in the second half, um, you know, scored a scored a rushing touchdown that didn't punch it in from a yard out on a quarterback sneak. Um, Sean Jackson, sixteen and then six on his two carries in the game, pretty good for the walk on. He's he seems like he's a, a load to to try to slow down for sure um, for the true freshman out of Hewitt Trussell. We saw, I think there was another sweep earlier, and it was in the the first drive they punted. There was a sweep on that drive that got called back for holding, and so like you started seeing a little bit of it uh, under Harson at Boise, uh, Boise State liked to use the wide receivers in the rush in, in the running game. I think it's definitely something the guys like Robertson and Hudson and uh, I mean pretty much everybody in that crew could at least tote the rock. Um, so I think you might see some more of that moving forward. 
Quick on TJ Finley. Uh, Harson said he thought he made some good throws and some good decisions. Two of five for 22 yards. Uh, they were rotating a lot. He had different offensive line, different different receiving group. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it was necessarily a I don't think it was necessarily a, a great measuring stick because the game was already well in hand and a lot had changed. But you know, I think a lot of fans were expected to to see Finley kind of put on a little show in his first game, and he just he just didn't get that in that, but. I'm sure he'll have a, an opportunity here upcoming next week because they play Alabama State. Um, but you know, I, I think I think this game also kind of kind of reaffirmed that you know, Bo is the guy. They feel you know he looks more comfortable in this offense right now. It seemed like Finley holding the ball a little little bit long on on certain plays. Not maybe not quite as sure of where to go with it. You know, before the snap, quite as much as Bo is now. Again, like Harson said. They felt like, from the staff perspective, he he made some good decisions and some uh, and some good throws. But uh, yeah, I mean, nothing. I think that might have been. I don't even know if you want to call it a disappointment. But I would just say, for you know, Auburn fans were really excited to see him, and that was not a that was not a game where you know he you really got to see a lot of Finley. Uh, offensive line wise, like I said, a clean pocket uh, for Bo Nix. Uh, and TJ Finley for the entirety of the game. I think Nick scrambled once in the in the whole contest. There was only one pressure, if I remember correctly. This is exactly what you want to see from a, a veteran offensive line playing against a team that didn't offer much of a fight on defense. Just go out there and dominate like you're supposed to. And they did. And they did. Um, they rotated some at left guard and right guard, uh, but... You know, starting there was Brandon Council against his old team, and then uh, Keandre Jones on the on the right side got some snaps for uh, Shedrick Jackson and or I'm sorry, Shedrick Jackson, Alec Jackson. Sorry, wrong Jackson. Um, Jackson is now becoming the new Davis on this team, by the way, um, and uh, Tayshawn Manning as well. Thought Austin Troxel looked great on at left tackle. Um, did a great job in pass protection against the against the the edge rushers from from Akron. Um, communication looked good. You know, had uh, I think there might have just been one penalty on the offensive line the whole time. I think it was one holding call against them. Uh, the right side of the line kind of held to form like we thought they did they would, where that Keandre Jones. Broderius Ham tag team at right guard and right tackle uh, can create some lanes. There were some opportunities for guys to just really, really run. Uh, I think I wrote about it on, on, in the observations. I think the opportunity rate for Auburn, uh, which is um, how many runs they had, went for four or more yards. It was well above 70%. Didn't get stuffed very often. I mean, the offensive line had a lot of question marks in that, in that and there's a lot to be said for getting it right on a day where we saw throughout college football – Teams that were a lot better on the on the offensive front just did not get it done against weaker competition. So, uh, full credit goes to this starting five. Brian Harson saying after the game, he could tell when they were going through walkthroughs and team meetings and the in the pregame meal. He said he could feel that that offensive line was locked in and focused. It it was a huge point of pride for them after all the talk there has been, you know, really recently about them to go out and have a really good game. 
I'm sure they'll try to have that approach and that focus every single week. You know, that's the that's always the response to that. But um, I mean, again, uh, we, we've said it. We've said it with with the, with the quarterbacks and the running backs and the wide receivers, and now we have to say it with the, with the offensive line as well. There's a lot to be said of getting it done in game one of a new scheme and, and, and doing exactly what you're supposed to, and then some. I mean, they, they really dominated this crew. Nothing else to add on that front. Nothing else there. Good work by the offensive line. They've gotten their fair share of, I think, fair criticism. But uh, mm-hmm. against an overmatched opponent, there's really not much you could say about their performance other than positives. So before we switch over to defense, because – there's a lot of great about the defense. And then there's a little bit of, you know, just I, it, it is nitpicking when you win by 50, but like there's, there, there's some stuff we need to talk about with the defense that wasn't sparkling. Um, but before we do that, Painter, let the folks at home know how they can continue to help what we do here on this show. Rate, review, subscribe. Many of you are doing it more and more. In fact, please leave a kind review. Please leave us five stars. Tell your friends and enemies. For those of you who took your koozies to the tailgate, for those of you who are in a different state watching from far away, we appreciate that you've got the Observer logo out. Thank you very much for everyone listening and reading Ferg's great work. Rate, review, subscribe, folks. It's going to be a fun season one way or the other. And hey... Auburn Tigers might just start five and zero. Starting to uh, starting to convince myself, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, all right, Painters, all right, Painters, all right. Uh, Painters leaning oh. that Penn State game. But we'll talk about Penn State, obviously, you know, a lot more in these next couple of weeks. But that Penn State game, their best offense was Wisconsin blowing coverage. So Auburn needs one to player in up particular. To... There is a yeah. safety who's having a real rough day. Just but I will say. Oh. I will say to I will say to Penn State's credit, um, early on especially they were giving up some they were giving up some things between the twenties. Uh, very much men don't break. Uh, a, a, a performance after Kevin Steele's own heart uh, with, with with some of those stops they got. So, the best way to support what we've got going on, as Painter said here on the podcast, um, is to rate and review and subscribe. Um, the easiest way to do that, go to Apple Podcast, hit the search button in the bottom right corner, type in Auburn Observer, click on it, scroll down to ratings and reviews, and leave five stars and say something nice about Painter in there as well. Painter, we've got a few more to read. Are you ready? I'm ready, baby. This one is from Smashed Brownie, which is a great name. Said, just read the one-year newsletter. It's enough to make a grown man cry. Immediately knew I had to come and give it another five-star rating. My only complaint is that I only get two podcasts a week. Hashtag we want more. Thank you, Smash Brownie, friend of the friend of the show for sure. And I appreciate everybody. And we talked about it last week as well on the paid episode. But one-year anniversary of the Observer. A lot of kind words from a lot of, from a lot of great people, and uh, we appreciate you guys so so very much. And we will talk a little bit here in a moment about how uh, you can get on board in the inner circle if you're not in there yet. DJ Tanco, uh, day one listener here. These boys aren't afraid to get in the trenches to talk all things AU football and basketball, then include program insight, post and pregame reviews, and technical sports insight. That's the that's the goal. That's the goal. Thank you, DJ. Uh, McGuire97 says, This keeps me connected. 
This is this one's for you, Painter. You ready? I'm an Auburn native, and I come from a pretty deep Auburn family. I went off to Oklahoma State for college, and now live in Mississippi. But this podcast and the Substack you know, helps keeps me connected to the Plains. Plus, Cowboy football is a tough pill to swallow. This is for you, Painter. Having a fellow Auburn High alumnus on the show is a great a source of great pride as well. Keep it up, fellas. Dear old Auburn High, walking out of Prattville with another win this weekend. I love it. Someone giving me the green light to talk about the uh, the beautiful, beautiful tiny tigers who are undefeated. We love you. Thank you for that. I will continue to do so. That's all I needed. One person. Finally, Brago B says subscribe. Six dollars is a steal for Ferg's Film Rooms alone. Getting two podcasts featuring Painter Sharpless as well for such a low, low price would literally be a crime. So about that. Very low, uh, very low, very good prices here at the Observer. Depending on when you're listening to this, you can subscribe to the Auburn Observer by the end of the day on Sunday. You know what, Painter? I'm gonna make a. I'm gonna. I'm gonna change this on the fly right now. Oh wow! Audible. Bow next to the line of scrimmage, we're, taking control. We're, we're checking. We're checking. We're checking down. We're checking down. Okay. So proud of you. Tomorrow, Monday is Labor Day. It's also gonna be the first film room. I'm gonna extend the deal for one more day just so people can get on board on Labor Day if they want to get, get in to read the film room for, for a lower price. I think that's a good check that. right there. I think that's a good move. People might be listening on their boats, on their porches, on their docks, having great food in the kitchen. We don't want you to miss out, ladies and gentlemen. So if you go to auburnobserver.com and if you're not a member of the Inner Circle yet, you're not subscribed to the newsletters, you're not subscribed to the bonus podcast you get once a week that previews uh, all the games here during the season. Actual games, folks. They're back. You can check it out, auburnobserver.com. $48 for your first year. Usually it's 60 We're giving you a dollar off for every month of your first year subscription to celebrate our first year as a entity. Um, we exist. We out here. Yes, we, we out here. So you can check that out, auburnobserver.com. You can sign up anywhere. You can get the deal from anywhere, but the easiest way to get it is go to auburnobserver.com slash anniversary. Uh, and you can get right to it and subscribe. And, yeah, I'm going to make it. I'm going to set it right now. You can. Here we go. I'm going to do it live on the podcast. I am going we'll to do it live. HTTPS, we'll Auburn Observer. Instead of making it run out on Sunday night at midnight, we instead are going to extend it through. There you go. It's done. We're going to extend it through Labor Day. So if you want to read the film room on Monday morning, it's a good time to get on board and get it emailed right to you a couple more shout outs while we're while we've got it going on here shout out our friends over at the war report uh met met caesar uh yesterday was it was in the press box um so it was good to good to see him and chat with him they've got a lot of great stuff uh going on at the war report a lot of uh auburn uh football uh talk and from a lot of different angles they are they are really giving you guys a lot of content over there so make sure you subscribe over on youtube at the war report I uh, also want to shout out our friends at the Opelika Auburn News. Um, I don't like columns. I hate columns. I don't think columnists should be a real job. Um, and that is how I feel about columns, period. And my reason for that is I've always thought that uh, no one should get paid that much money to just share their opinions. They're not that important. Good That's deal if you can take. get it. Good deal if you can Good. get it. But not many people are actually that unique, intelligent, or particularly interesting. That's my jaded self talking about columns. Also, I was always horrible at writing columns, so 
you know, I might be biased in that aspect. But if we're going to let people write columns, we'll let Justin Lee keep writing columns because you need to check out his Bonex column from Saturday night uh, from the press box. Very good stuff. A lot of a lot of people loved it. Check it out. Jordan Hill covering every possible angle from the from the game over at the OA News as well. Check him out oanow.com. Uh, AU blog on Twitter. Jordan Davis Hill on Twitter. Uh, I think he is by Justin Lee on Twitter. Check out the OA News. Uh, a lot going on there. I'd like to ask for does uh, does our our new king Brian Harson does he know the tweet? Is he aware? Okay, certainly so seems I'm like he gave a nod to it. It certainly seems like he's uh, you know playing with it a little bit. Brian Harson said. It looked like he was having fun in reference to Bo Nix. And, of course, we know that that is one of the key sentences in the Bo Nix copypasta that has taken the Internet by storm. Uh, it is now broken contain of just Auburn Twitter. You have seen it in other places. Our buddy, um, I got... I got Ryan Nanny uh, to read it on the full cast a few months ago. I think our buddy Alex Kirshner at Split Zone Duo has been a believer in it. Somebody, and I can't remember who it was, my mentions from, from a game, it's hard to kind of go through all of them because there, there's a lot, you know, because I tweet so much on, on, on Saturdays. Somebody said on Twitter in, in my replies, it said maybe Brian Harson's going to go bit by bit through the thing. Like every time, every press conference he gets asked about Bonix, he's going to say a line from it. He's just going to sneak it in there. Speaking of Brian Harson, he went over after the game and applauded the Auburn student section. Got to say, Auburn student section, I know we have some Auburn students who are listening to this and they were sitting out there. You guys brought your A game because we're over in the fishbowl in the corner. Um, and it's not an open air press box anymore, but y'all were loud, and like we we could still uh, hear you and, and 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 notice that it was pretty pretty uh, big time uh, in terms of volume. Great color coordination as well. I know there are some factions of students that have to wear not white uh, on, on these game days, but they were kind of sectioned off in their own little spots, blanketed it with white. Are we giving a, the, are we giving a nod to? to the people in the suits here is that what we're doing yes and there's several suits there's not just it's not just the blue suits there's some orange suits out there as well i mean like you you have to you have to you have to do what you have to do i understand that shouts out um, to the weg p the atmosphere was great there was a lot of students who stayed throughout the whole game which i thought was was a pretty cool sign harson went over and congratulated them you could tell Akron did not want <laughs> did not want a lot of that early on. Um, it was it was really getting to him. It was cool hearing and seeing a crowd again, as we've been saying. Hope in these in these uh, these times like this that events like this can continue to go on without them having a you know a spike in cases or anything like that with COVID. But uh, yeah, really cool, really cool just to be in that atmosphere again, even if it was just the Akron game being around and, and kind of feeling that how did that come across on tv painter the 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 crowd because it was it was quite loud um i thought from the student section's perspective especially uh early the on commentators made a point to discuss it and maybe it's just everyone's frame of reference is a little off because we got somewhat used to for the last year not having anywhere near full stadiums or arenas but it was something that i saw a lot more of online from people who were at the game talking about mm-hmm. the noise 
So speaking of the noise, the side of the ball that uh, benefits from the noise the most is the defense. Akron pulled off a nine-play, four-yard drive to start the game, uh, and it got two short third and short conversions, and that was pretty much it. That was pretty much it for them. Uh, Incredible tan on that uh, Akron head coach. I heard and saw some people on Twitter uh, talking about uh, talking about how handsome he was. Nice with it, Tom Arth. Nice with it. So. I think the big thing we talked about coming into this game, Painter, was this this defensive front, new look. There's some new faces up front. The edge position is new. Edge defenders are new. New scheme, new system. Auburn's problem last season, no matter who they played, was that they often had a hard time getting off the field on third down and getting a, a, a generating a consistent pass rush. Well, six sacks, a lot of pressure on the on the quarterbacks. Three of fourteen on third downs. Uh, and after those first two, they didn't get another one until the until the fourth quarter. This was a game where Auburn did what it was supposed to up front on both sides of the ball. But I thought I came away really impressed by that defensive front creating some havoc and just showing, okay, we can do this in a lot of different ways. There were six sacks, and I think only one guy got multiple. There was uh, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of just everybody eating up front and uh and and the newcomers and some of the old uh, some of the old names really standing out Derek Hall looked like a terror early, early on uh his first sack or is for like uh one of his first big plays the Akron left tackle I th- probably you know you, during that play you could probably look at him and see that he probably thought in his head Maybe I should go do something else. Maybe maybe football might not be for me right now. I almost cried when Colby Wooden went out of the game on like the third play. Oh man, and he was he was he was hurt. He was hurting. He was rolling around and and but whatever it was, hand, wrist, uh, they were able to kind of uh, take care of it. And he was back in a couple plays and he had a really good game. TD Moultrie. I mean, we talked about it in the off season. He had been talked about as a leader. Some people are like, yeah, really, T.D. Moultrie? There's like, okay, what about Eculiotto? What about uh, some of these other guys? Um, but no, T.D. Moultrie switching positions, getting to play out a little bit more in space uh, as edge. I mean, this is a spot for him. Secondly, he was versatile. He was really versatile in this game. Um, he put his hand in the dirt a decent amount early on and got after the quarterback uh, first career start for him, which is a long time coming for the super senior. He tied Zacoby McLean in the team lead for tackles with seven. He had three tackles for loss and a sack. Uh, just a fantastic game from TD Moultrie, uh, who uh, he tweeted. I want to. I want to find this because it's. Uh, it, it, it was really good. I, I saw. Yeah, TD Moultrie said on August fourth tweeted this if anybody thinks i'm the same td you blind or don't want to see it i don't have too much to say but watch this work and then on uh on on sunday morning he retweeted it uh showing that hey he called a shot and he looked he looked like a different player out there and very cool for a guy to come back with a new staff uses a year of eligibility where so many other older teammates of his, especially up front, decided to go elsewhere uh, to finish up their careers. 
he stays in Auburn. He gets his opportunity. And man, that first game, he looked he looked he looked like the guy kind of like how Bo looked like, you know, closer to the five star that we expected him to be coming out of high school. I think the same thing could be said for TD just, just five years later. Sacks coming from Moultrie Hall, uh, two from Marquise Burks, who had a really good game. Uh, Colby Wooden and Marcus Harris as well. A lot of guys getting involved. Owen Papo had two where he could have just absolutely cleaned up the, the quarterback and just missed him. Tackling, not the cleanest in the world, if you want to kind of nitpick from this game. Not the cleanest bit of tackling for Auburn, but uh, they more than made up for it. Papo was still able, you know, Auburn's still able to get two big plays on those things where Papo just on a blitz. I mean, this is where he's going to be super effective in the Derek Mason scheme. He's very fast. He's very, he's very, very fast. And so when everybody's tied up with the, with the, with the defensive front and then you leak him down the middle, I don't know what a quarterback's supposed to do in, in that situation. Uh, but I'd uh, like to think yeah. that just like the offense will have plenty of things to tidy up over the first few weeks, tackling is probably something that the defenses have to work on the first few games of the year because usually there's, yes. there's just a limited amount of that that you want to do in practices. A hundred percent. And even more now because you don't have as many contact, full contact practices by the NCAA in the, in the fall. So, uh, but Zagoba McLean doing what Zagoba McLean does. Chandler Wooten got six tackles in that, in that game as well. But Arius Knighton had four solos, which led the, uh, which tied for the team lead. Um, so there was some good tackling being done out there. Linebackers, you know, played well in space as they always did. The secondary early created a lot of havoc. Um, really kept things going. The second half when they started rotating some more guys in, you saw Akron get a lot of, you know, dink and dunk kind of plays. Um, they had a couple of downfield throws on third and fourth down that, uh, that, that moved the chains, some more explosive plays from them, kind of some soft spots in the zone that they were able to attack. They were playing off. Uh, they weren't going to give up the big play, the big catch and run. Um, I think this is going to have to be an adjustment for some Auburn fans, that Auburn is not going to be uptight and locking down, you know, closer to the line of scrimmage with them. I think we talked about off-man coverage, more zone, uh, keep everything in front of you. And when you're up by 40 or 50 points, you can afford to sit back a little bit more. But as Smoke Monday said after the game, secondary knows that they that they have a lot to improve. There were some there were some plays that they gave up, especially in the second half, that uh, they wish they could have back. Uh, some near there was a near near interception at one point. There's a couple other plays that that they just missed out on. You got to tighten up in that area. I think tackling and 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 the pass defense can definitely definitely get better. Um, especially considering Akron brought in a quarterback off the bench and he didn't throw an incompletion. Nothing else to add there. Special teams wise, Andres Carlson missing an extra point, the first one of the season. I guess go ahead and get your miss out of the way if you're going to have one. Uh, and uh, but one of the things we didn't mention earlier. So second quarter, Brian Harson gets a little aggressive. Late second quarter, calls a timeout, and says, "Hey, let's get the ball back with with as much time as we can." Uh, punt. Akron had a great punter, by the way. Um, shout out to that guy. He he had some work. He had he had some work to do, and he he did a really good job uh, on Saturday. But Auburn takes over at the eight yard line. No timeouts left, so they've got to just make it happen. Bo Nix, a lot of poise, makes the right decisions. When he had to run, he did run. 
um, led his receivers out of bounds, made some good plays there. Anders Carlson gets to tack on three more on the board. And it's that kind of mentality, right? It's it was like nice also not like just going into the half. It, it was. Just run. It was nice. It was nice to use that last little bit to work on the two minute offense instead of just yeah, ne- kneeling it out. And I think that that would have been different previously. And whatever, yeah, like it, it was, may not matter. It's Akron, so. Uh, but it seems like a, a good opportunity not to waste, given that this was basically a glorified scrimmage. Harson also said after the game that final drive in the fourth quarter. Uh, where Jarquez Hunter scored, he said, you love that mentality because we wanted that second-team offense to kind of work on some things there and get some more reps. Don't you know? Don't just run it out uh, and, and take it easy. He ends up finishing it off. And it's just that, it's that mentality, I think. They, they, this team had, you know, everybody you talk to uh, before and after this game is big on the preparation the game plan, everything being well drilled, well or I mean, this is as Harson said several times on Saturday. This is a, this is a game that was honestly nine months in the making, right? You you have prepared for this, and and to get everything that you got right on this day is great. It, it's a it's a great sign, but really good game plan. They knew how to attack Akron, and they executed well. Like we said, clean game, no turnovers, just three penalties. Auburn didn't give up any sacks, only a couple negative plays. Period, uh, on the you know in the running game. You know it it it, it answered. You know, it's not definitive answers to a lot of questions because those won't come until later in the season. But if you had questions like, mm, is this going to look pretty early on? Ah, it's week one. Ah, it's a new staff. This did not look like a this did not look like a week one team. Right in terms of just how they execute. Yes, they were playing against a very bad FBS team, but um, they played like a team that expected to do this, and they went out and got and got it done. And that is, I think, very refreshing for for game one of a new of a new uh, of a new tenure of a, of a new era. I think a lot of Auburn fans are are very happy at, at, at how it happened. You know, not necessarily maybe the result. Um, because can be inflated by how bad Akron was, but just the way they went about their business seemed very sharp. It wasn't flat. They came out in the first half, put the game away easily in two quarters. Maybe it gives you a little bit of confidence that against other teams, even though they're not likely to play many this bad the rest of the way, that Auburn, you'd like to think, will be prepared uh, to handle teams that are not as talented as they are. Looking at teams like Arkansas and Mississippi State, uh, who will objectively be better than Akron, uh, no matter how bad they might be this season. But I'd like to think that given the talent disparity between them, that Auburn can simply take care of business when those games arrive. Yeah, I think in in terms of execution and cleanliness – just doing what you need to do against a team that you're a whole lot better than Auburn got it done on Saturday and they didn't always do that. And this is not just a Gus Malzahn thing. You can go back to the Chiswick era. You can go back to the Tuberville era, especially. I mean, I mean the Tuberville era was like littered with games where they would upset a team. And then the next week, I mean, I think the most famous one's Florida La Tech where right. you beat a, the number one ranked team in the country and then escape against Louisiana Tech. Yeah, it was not unusual. It's it's a very Auburn thing to do, to beat a top-ten program and then turn around and struggle randomly. So 
I don't know. The whole want to know mantra is a little bit funny, uh, but they seem to be taking it to heart early on in the uh, horse and tenure. And they're officially want to know. They are. It does uh, work right now. It works nicely. Uh, a few wrap-up questions before we go, Painter. Number one, did you see Austin Troxel's mustache, and what do you think about it? Looking good. The mustache has come back around. Curious to see how long that it stays, but that is certainly in vogue. Good work, Austin. Uh, Nick Brahms uh, quote-tweeted my picture of that and asked if the entire offensive line was going to go for that look in week two. I hope that happens, and I hope they take a picture of it because I think that would be – a great a, a great look for for all involved. That's a team building um, exercise. You guys should do it. Uh, we we mentioned it earlier. The you, you the environment, the atmosphere. You know, not full blast. Like it's not the Iron Bowl. It's not the the Georgia game. Um, but to see that out there again was really really cool. Um, the Eagle flight. Shout out to Independence, the new Eagle. Great first flight, really, really milked it. Kind of hung up there for a while and 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 got down there. A lot of fans, a lot of fans excited to see that. When did the uh, the bit online happen? Where pretty much like a third of my timeline for five minutes was people writing the eagle flew good. So do you know the eagle? Did the eagle fly good? Uh, do you know that reference? I don't understand what's happening. Some of you out there who may know this, but some of you may not. In twenty in twenty twelve, there was a board of trustees meeting. Oh, okay, I thought you were going to do it on the eagle flew into the. No, oh, huh. there was there was a board of trustees meeting in the month of November. I think it was coming up right right at the end. Auburn was about to uh, part ways with Gene Sizik. The writing was kind of on the wall. There were reporters that were interviewing Jay Gouge, who was in his first tenure as Auburn University president at the time. He was talking about like evaluating the football program and it was basically they were asking him like you know are, are you going to make a change at coach and he was like well we evaluate everything with the football players and and i can't remember the exact quote but he's like the football team is like you know it's it's part of the how they play on the field it's part of the game day experience it's like uh it's like did the eagle fly good uh what was the <laughs> you know uh how, how was the band and um so it, it became kind of a, a joke a running joke uh among you know not only Auburn media members but also Auburn fans is did the eagle fly good, um, and so now that the is, eagle is back, we we have to we have to inform him if the eagle did fly good or not, and the eagle flew good. One of my favorite things about anyone in a position of power or influence, whether that be a politician or a university president, is not being able to simply say the thing that we're all thinking and that we know is inevitable after you have a historically bad football season so instead you start saying things because you have to say something like the eagle flew good usually just results in boring cliches every now and again when you're trying to fill up time because you can't come out and say yeah we're about to put our coach on the chopping block you get one of those you just say that the eagle flew good and that's all you need to that's all you need to say speaking of jay goosh painter we haven't talked about it since it became official the presidential search is underway at Auburn. We talked about Painter for AU Pres when 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 we uh, when we found out that Gouge was going to step down. Now that they're in the search process, I have a hard hitting journalism question for you. If you're ready for it, yes. All right, here it is. Auburn has said that they are doing a national search. They've hired multiple search firms for this position. Was your move to? Was your move to parts unknown 
made so that you could be eligible for this national search and that they would have to look on the outs, even though you are part of the family and you are an internal candidate, you had to go outside of the family for a little while to put yourself in the running for this job. A townie, absolutely, but also now a worldly man, a man with culture, a man who's experienced many things in his time away from the plains. Yes, this has been a long move so that I can simply come back home and live on Sanford Avenue at the intersection of Sanford and College. Uh, I will get rid of the Haley Center, unfortunately, uh, from where the press box is. All of y'all's videos and pictures capture the Haley Center in it. It's horrible. Really, the only thing I want to do as president is let other people do all the work for me, but we will be knocking down the asbestos-filled Haley Center. It is a monstrosity. It needs to go. Vote for Painter, and uh, he will he will rid us of the uh, plague that is the Haley Center. We've also we've heard some competition here. We are promoting you to be the president of Auburn University, uh, but it's also been floated online that maybe Bill Cameron uh, should be the next president of Auburn. And I think that should happen because I hope Bill shows up to every board of trustees meeting wearing uh, floral print shirts and flip-flops. Because Bill, I feel like that is... Bill would provide a certain level of calm in all of his press conferences. I mean, imagine being soothed by that man. I mean, institutional knowledge is there i mean he might as well be auburn's president right now the man knows everyone and everything and then we could obviously make dan peck the provost which is a win for all things academic uh yeah i would fully support if i cannot be a power broker for the auburn university uh institution let's make it bill cameron and dan peck that would be quite the dynamic duo they keep doing the drive on espn 1067 but also they lead us to victory. I think that's a great idea. I think it's a great idea. Let's ship it. Um, so that'll wrap up this episode of the podcast. Painter, uh, we've got a lot of people joining in the inner circle. We are well over 900 subscribers now. We are racing towards 1,000. And when we hit that 1,000, man, we are going to act an absolute fool online. Uh, just, Just know that. Just know that is a that is a guarantee from from us. Um, so tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell people that you may not even know very well, but know that they enjoy Auburn. Uh, because up until, as we said, we we made the executive decision here on this this very podcast. If you sign up at auburnobserver.com between now and the end of the night, Monday night on Labor Day, you can get your first year of the Observer for forty eight bucks instead of the original 60. Some people have been asking about if that counts for gift subscriptions as well. It doesn't. I don't know why it doesn't. Just hold off on that. Tuesday, you can kind of resume that. Instead of having uh, subscriptions, you can tell your friends. That'll be the that'll be the bigger way to do it. And, uh, yeah, we got a busy week up ahead. We will have Film Room on Monday. We will have a Tuesday story. We will have a Wednesday story. We will be back to preview... Alabama State Auburn on Thursday in the premium edition of the podcast. We'll have a mailbag on Friday. We'll have game observations on Saturday at some point in time, maybe Saturday evening. I'm uh, I'm streaming for the AP uh, next next Saturday, so yeah. If you want an official, if you want to know the official word about whatever happens for Auburn Alabama State this upcoming weekend, it's going to be my words getting beamed out to the world. That's a brag but a pretty lame one in that. But um, 
there's a lot going on at the Observer. Appreciate everybody joining us. Uh, and like I said, if you are in a position where you can subscribe right now, we would love to have you on board. If you just can't for financial reasons or, you know, you're, you're just not, not, not willing to commit to that right now, we appreciate you for listening. We, we love our podcast-only members of this here program. Uh, but I will tell you, you can get a bonus podcast once a week if you do subscribe. So you get twice as much of this. If you're still holding off and not subscribing, Painter, let them know one more time how they can help us out for absolutely no money. Rate, review, subscribe. Take 30 seconds. Help us out. We do appreciate you listening. And because we're vain, we will read the reviews on this uh, of the podcast on the show. So keep that in mind. Uh, all right. That'll do it. We will talk to the members of the Inner Circle again on Thursday morning. A lot of, a lot of newsletters coming your way this week here as we head into week two of the Brian Harson era at Auburn. Painter, final thoughts. Observer after party at CC's.